and welcome back to Shade Podcast with me, Lou Mensa, and our ninth series where we'll explore the influences that shape black contemporary art today. Inspired by the tradition of the harmony between the lyrical and the visual, these artist conversations reveal the people and the sounds that inspire their practice. There's a playlist to accompany the series, which was created for you by my guests. So enjoy this convening of spirits to mark the end of the year. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Helena Love Alati. Helena is Head of Sale and a specialist in modern and contemporary African art at Bonhams. A graduate of SOAS in London, Helena joined Bonhams in 2016. Partly Ghanaian, Helena travels to Ghana regularly and specialises on art from that region. Her expertise also extends to 20th century African photography, all of which we touch on in our conversation. Helena is such a creative force and so knowledgeable on art from the continent. In our conversation, we cover her early years as an art handler through to today, and she tells us why she created African Art History, the Instagram page, filling the gaps within art history. She encourages us to visit Bonhams for their exhibitions, so do look in the show notes for details. And be sure to listen to the end where Helena recommends some excellent tunes from the continent that continue to inspire her. And we start our conversation hearing about a moment where she was talking with her SOAS tutor eight years ago, which led her on the journey to her current role at Bonhams. I studied history and in my first year, so it's funny because I'm from London, lived in London my whole life and my education was, now I'm older, sort of realised it's very sort of narrow and minded and very focused and very Western and I ended up going to SOAS and all of a sudden it was like, learn about, you know, South Asian cultures, Africa and Middle East and East Asia and Southeast Asia. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't learned about any of this in the past. And I was just so excited and I just loved every single minute of it. And by my third year, I was very much narrowed down on Africa and African history, particularly Western and Southern Africa. And that's when I did an open option in African art history. And then that's what led me into my current role at Bonhams, really, because my professor, Charlie Gore, I went to him and was like, you know, I I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Where do I go from here? Like, what do I do? And one of his old students actually was at Bonhams doing South Asian, like sort of contemporary South Asian art, like Indian art. And she was quite enjoying it, you know, doing well there. So he said, that's something you could think about. I sort of applied for loads of different roles and positions. And I ended up getting a job as an art handler at Bonhams. Back in the day, they actually called them porters, which is a little bit of an archaic term. It really uh, is. Yeah, it's terrible. And, um, so I actually started in 2015, straight after graduation as an art handler, which was a really great experience because I was working at Bonhams and loads of different sales installing all the artworks being very hands-on which was something I didn't think again that I would ever be qualified to do and it was a really wonderful experience 
to be able to sort of handle art of various, you know, various different types. I'm talking about clocks, I'm talking about Netsuke, Japanese art, pictures, impressionists, contemporary art. I was learning how to handle so many different objects. And I was meeting so many different people that after six months, I got an opportunity to intern with the modern and contemporary African art department, get to handle all the different artworks that we sell, which I think is the best thing ever. And that is how I sort of interact with artists. So on the day-to-day basis, you know, my main sort of role is valuing artwork and getting artworks in for sale. So we do two auctions a year in London and we have to sort of actively consign throughout the year for those sales. And it's great because my interactions are with artworks and sometimes artists not so much since we're sort of secondary market but a lot of collectors you know and I think that is the really cool part of my job because we meet so many different people selling for a variety of different reasons but they all have very different stories as to how they have acquired the art that they want to sell Mm. and it's so interesting we get a lot of clients who bought the works back in the 60s or their parents bought the works back in the day and they've inherited them and sometimes these clients know the artist personally from the past and they have all the stories that come with it and it's really interesting to hear yeah because I did an auction recently it was called Abuja, Ladi Kwali and the Art of Clay. Oh wow Ladi Kwali. Yes, I know. Oh, so that was one of my favorite auctions. So I put together this auction of Abuja pottery from the 1960s and 1970s and really tried to highlight the women makers and also just, you know, the makers from Abuja because it's kind of tangled with this sort of colonial history, Mm. which I tried to sort of navigate around, which is very difficult. And it was a great auction. And, you know, there was one client in particular who remembers buying the works from Laddie herself. I remember when she told me, I just couldn't believe it, to be honest. It was so cool. And she was really, I mean, the client was very young at the time. And they basically went to this Abuja Pottery sort of training center to buy some works. And it was just basically like a shop. (laughs) It was, but what was so cool was that she'd kept everything that she'd bought as a sort of teenager, maybe. I think she was very young and she kept it all and she really treasured all the things that she had purchased. And she remembered the interaction so well. For me, it was really interesting because, you know, there's been, you know, Jara Das did an amazing exhibition at Two Temple Place. Yeah, she's been on the show. That was amazing. Yes. Yes. And she is incredible. And she's done so much to highlight Ladi Kwali's work. But other than that, really, it's very hard sometimes to find about Abuja pottery in general without the sort of Michael Cardew link and to find out, you know, even, it sounds ridiculous, but we had quite a few different makers and it was really hard to find their birth dates and if they're still alive or not Mm. and for me that was just wild and so it was really nice to hear this client talk about her experience firsthand of acquiring these works and being there and you know we get approached with artworks 
say, like Gerard Sokoto or have one of his paintings from pre-apartheid before he went into exile. And to have a painting like that is so special. And it's such a huge part of history. We get all kinds of different artworks where the history is just so important. And it's really about championing that and also making sure that people are aware of that it exists. I think that's one of the best things about our auction. And it's something that people aren't aware of, but when we're on view, people can come in and view that works for free. And it's so funny, people just don't realise that they can do that. And I get it because, you know, auctions are very intimidating. (laughs) And it's very hard to feel like you can just walk in and belong and that you can just come in and see these artworks and you don't have to buy and you don't have to bid. But, you know, these are spaces and that you can come into and view the works before they all disappear. And I think it's great because we get such a unique variety of artworks you know Africa is a huge continent with such a varied and rich and deep history and we get artworks where at the moment sadly they probably still aren't on view at main big sort of established art galleries and so these are artworks where I think they're really important but people could come in and see them Mm. uh, firsthand Mm. because they're so rare. This is your invitation from Helena please please. to come in and view these works okay I'll be putting the details in the uh, podcast description of where Bonhams is and where you can go and see all these wonderful works. Oh that would be great because Mm. I think that's the one thing for me it's challenging the stereotype of African art and it's also challenging what people think and opening up people's eyes and realising that artworks such as these exist and I think we're very much caught on sometimes contemporary African art and what's being made now and the artists that exist now which obviously it's so wonderful and so great but I think there's this huge vacuum of the past of people not quite realizing all the different amazing artists and makers out there from the past from the continent. Well you um, also started an Instagram page which is sharing your love of modern and contemporary African art with um, audiences on social media. Tell us a little bit about why you started that firstly and and how you decided to sort of bring everything together to share it in this way. So yeah this is my little side hustle. I get to see so much and I get to see so many people and I'm learning in a way that maybe isn't accessible for everyone else. And I thought, well, you know, rather than gatekeep this, why don't I make this accessible to a wider audience? And let me start creating posts on this page where people can come and view different artists, different mediums from across the continent and they can see things that they may like that they don't know about because I'm so aware that our education, I mean, I'm hoping it's changing, (laughs) but certainly when I was at school, I don't think I learned about any art from outside of Europe or America and the UK, to be honest. The rest Mm. of the world just didn't count. Mm. And I found that really deeply frustrating. I find it really frustrating now. When you say African art, I think a lot of people still think about sort of masquerades and masks and that's the sort of art we're presented with at the British Museum. And, um, (laughs) And so I'm just trying to sort of 
challenge that. So I've created this Instagram to make it more accessible and to include women artists that exist in the 60s and the 70s and really cool sculptors. And I've started to look at exhibitions from the past but focused maybe on African art that people may not be aware of in London because I think sometimes we are so focused on what's happening now but you know there's some really cool things that took place in the 80s and the Mm. 90s and all kinds of really interesting ideas were about going to start posting all these really cool festivals that took place post-independence in Africa and different African countries so I'm really excited about that and different art movements you know Mm. in art schools I think there's a really big thing about sort of you know I think people think art schools they think of art schools here and maybe in Mm. America but you know there's some really established and really cool art movements and art schools within Africa itself that have produced some really incredible artists Mm. so this hopefully is a really helpful resource for people. As people have that thirst for knowledge and education, of course, that's going to affect interest, which is going to affect prices and sales. So I just wonder, like, from your perspective, what are you seeing at the moment in terms of this increased appetite for interest from buyers and collectors for modern and contemporary African art? How's that affecting the way you work? How's that affecting the artists that you're working with? Just sort of that whole kind of interaction. It's been really interesting. It's been, I I mean, you know, I've been now at Bonans for eight years, so I've really seen a lot and seen how the trends in general in the art market have always sort of changed a little bit. And since I've been there, African art, uh, you know, particularly contemporary African art, has always been seen as very trendy. Mm. (laughs) And every year, there's always an article that comes out about Mm. African art on the rise. And it's very interesting to see that it's constantly sort of something that's on the rise. So we've got a long way to go in terms of art market wise, you know, Mm. once we get the exhibitions happening more frequently, big main art institutions, Mm. and once we've had a sort of trend, let's say, recently of contemporary African art, being very popular but it has to be sort of sustainable it's a big sort of cycle you know and and the increase of art fairs which is really great but you know that again everything has to be kind of sustainable and feeds into one another education again is a really big point and at the time of kind of like global financial crises, as you know, we perpetually see going cycles as well we see that collectors go for what are considered more safe bets the collector base is constantly diversifying and I'm getting new people coming to me every day looking for all different types you know I think sometimes the trends can be so sort of niche and focused that can be a little bit more difficult but I think in general Mm. I think a lot of people you know museums and galleries I think all realizing that actually their permanent collections could be a little bit more diverse you know I think lots of collectors are diversifying their collections too and and I think that's been really interesting I think there's this shift that's happening and a good important shift and I think that's definitely going to have a domino effect on sort of the wider sort of market as such Mm -hmm. which I think is really great I think the contemporary market is slightly different perhaps because we've seen recently with figurative Uh, that was very popular in the past two years. The history is so vast and there's so much going on. 
that actually people are looking for various different things. You know, there's a lot of people looking for works in the past or general clay. I noticed the popularity of Lucy Rhee and Hans Gruber. Yes. And that's really naturally sort of fed into sort of my passion and interest in the Abuja pottery. And mm. I think a lot of ceramics collectors have definitely noticed that too and have been looking towards that really cool curators doing some amazing exhibitions yes and you've got some really interesting collectors and art fairs on the continent and not on the continent doing some really incredible things and also I thought about this earlier because I thought it was such a strange I don't know I thought it was quite a strange thought but when I first started I think I used to see everyone in the art world as older than me and quite established and now I'm seeing people that are my age making waves in the industry that are all on the sort of same same wave. <laughs> yes, I'm Is thinking it? of curators like Andrea Emilife, who's been yeah. on, on the show. You yeah. know, amazing curators. Like, um, y- you lot are killing it. You're really it's... moving <laughs> everything forward. We can relate to one another on a different sort of level about the challenges that we've also faced within this industry and uh, yes. maybe what we want to see and slightly bridging that gap between the generations too because it's really interesting and I think for I think that's really helping the sort of rise of contemporary African art say because there is much more focus as well and on the continent and the creatives on the continent who are doing incredible things. How do you see the effect of like highly visible collectors? I'm thinking about, you know, our household names and how, you know, what the effect is of those kind of collectors on the industry as a whole. You know, sometimes the concern was that prices can be driven up to such an extent. Therefore, Mm. there's going to be like, again, that's going to affect sustainability. So I'm thinking, obviously, of the Jay-Z's and the Alicia Keys and her husband. Oh yeah, Swiss Beats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's who's having a show in um having a show of their collection soon? Oh um, yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that obviously that's amazing for visibility and uplift. But you know, when we've had discussions surrounding in the podcast about these kind of visible buys again the concern is the trends and and the effect but can you see the effect of these kind of when news comes out of these collectors when they have a show or they buy a new piece or they're photographed with it like you know uh jay-z with his basquiat you know i know that's oh, not Af- yeah. i know that's not Af- no but it's an example of a collector you know being so open definitely has an effect because people all of a sudden are like oh my gosh they have so and so and you right. know it creates a little bit of a well maybe I want that too who is this person in this art collection and the same for exhibitions you know when there's an exhibition of someone everyone's goes oh my god this person and and it creates a bit of hype it definitely has a knock-on effect it's interesting though because I do collectors every single day most of the time they just feel very private about things it's very personal to them it's very interesting to me because more often than not they're not and I don't know, like when you just said, you know, some big ticket collectors earlier, mm. I'm sure some people in their brain are thinking of a certain type of person. And actually, there are some collectors out there which don't fit that mould necessarily. Uh, and I think it's really helpful for those sort of people to be open because then it can inspire people to collect or feel like they can collect. Yes. It's very interesting, actually, because I had one collector come in to my cell in October and they were telling me about how 
it was quite difficult to sort of buy in a gallery or be taken seriously in that regard and be a collector <laughs> because they didn't fit sort of the mold. Mm. I think people assumed that when they walked into the gallery, they weren't a buyer sort of thing. That was the attitude. And I think sometimes it's really helpful for some collectors to be open to sort of, yeah, inspire others to feel like they can do it. And of course they can collect art. It's, you know, you don't have to be a certain type of person to do it and I think that's really really important so I think it can be inspirational in different ways that's what I really believe but it does have a knock-on effect like you said you know when a very well-known person takes a Instagram of a artwork then boom all of a sudden it's like yeah it creates a lot of a lot of hype and I think that's uh, that can be really interesting but I also think it can be quite helpful because it makes certain people look towards something that they might not have taken another glance at previously, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it'll be really interesting this upcoming show, you know, at the Brooklyn Museum. I think it, and to see how people, what people take on it and what they've got in their collection and, and see what they show. I'm thinking about the presences that surround objects, the making of objects, and I just think, gosh, you must be surrounded by so much of the artists their lives their thoughts their habits like their practice what part of their lives they were in when they created these works and you must hear the stories as well and that's just so interesting to me and I just wonder what it's like for you to be surrounded by all of that do you feel those presences as you work yeah, it's actually a really interesting way of thinking about things because I do have an office job. <laughs> yeah. And I am at my desk. Um, but then our office is kind of unique because we have all our artworks around us. We'll be looking at an artwork, say like a painting, and sometimes you can see their fingerprint in the artwork, which is very cool. And, you know, I think a lot about being a viewer in an art gallery and how you've got that sort of rope or that alarm that they put in. And you can never get up close. You can never see anything close. And uh, I don't know why I'm getting so angry about it. (laughs) I think think it's fair enough. Um, But it's quite nice to sort of see the details sometimes or really look at things because you can spot all kinds of different things. You can spot when an artist has painted over something or sometimes, you know, we do condition reports and there's a hair embedded in the paints and more often than not, it's their hair. But uh, <laughs> it's really special, actually. It's just, yeah, it's a real glimpse into their sort of studio life or their life in general. And even, you know, when, you know, earlier I sort of mentioned Gerard Sakoto and having his work pre-apartheid before he was in exile. And then it's really interesting to handle his works from the 70s and you know later on in his life in Paris and when he was in exile and how paint is typically for his work always sort of got crackula running through it but Mm. it's quite stable but it's always got crackula and that's because he used not you know not very good paints when he was in Paris or I find that really interesting and then you see well that's because his circumstances have changed and you know and then all of a sudden you end up you know going down a slight rabbit hole of (laughs) all these sort of uh, stories but it's interesting because you can because I see so much you see a real feel for maybe what someone went through or their life I'm wondering if you could share with us like the artists, gallerists, musicians or movements that you can just touch upon briefly to let us know who's inspired you. 
is Ladi Kuali because yeah. oh, when I did that auction, like I said, I'm a specialist in what I do, but I am always learning. And to learn about her was very special. And her history and her story is very tied up with the arrival of Michael Cardew, who was a British ceramicist and potter. He first of all went to Ghana and then he went to Nigeria. And then he set up this Ubuja Pottery Training Centre. And it's quite a colonial move, if I'm honest. <laughs> you know, let's sort of educate people on how to make pottery. And, but, you know, where he went, there were people making pots anyway. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, it's very interesting. Nadi Kwali was, uh, it's basically a very matrilineal sort of history. A lot of women were typically making these beautiful and amazing water vessels and that's what she's known for making so when you google Ladi Kwali that would be the thing that comes up and so she was already making these in the Gwari mm. tradition which is where she's from and I think it's been really inspiring to learn about the fact that she stuck with her practice and her and how she made these pots because when he opened this training center he introduced uh, the wheel and how to throw but these water vessels are all hand built and they the women artists in particular the women makers and and you know the male makers too stuck with this practice of hand building them mm. and that for me the sort of i don't know stubbornness and mm. the fact that this was very much there you know this is how we do things and okay we will try sort of you know your technique don't get me wrong but we're going to stick with our technique and I I really enjoyed that and I found that quite inspiring um I'm a huge fan of Samuel Fosso I love his photography so much I'm so fortunate to have gone to his exhibition in Paris a couple of years ago and that was honestly I think one of the best exhibitions I'd been to because it was a retrospective of his work so you really saw all the different types of photography he was doing and and, he, and you know with Simon Fosso it's, it's self-portraits it's himself he turns the lens on himself and it can be quite satirical yes. and quite funny as well you know yeah and same for James Barner as well I think his journey as a photographer I also find quite inspirational you know he was taking photographs of Kwame Nkrumah so he was at the top of his game throughout his life but he was recognized far later on you know he's in his 90s now and he's only just started to have exhibitions but I love that sort of lifelong perseverance. As you were talking about James Barner and Samuel Fosso I was thinking about Felicia Aban as well another photographer I think she was yeah like was it the first Ghanaian woman to have a studio like yeah like we don't know enough about these women and I only like really knew about her work because like my auntie was like oh yeah Felicia back home yeah you know she used to take pictures and I was like what like (laughs) that is crazy like come on tell me more yeah exactly it's like so crazy and I'm like okay like I'm just getting an, an education like just from auntie just like just talking about normal local everyday stuff And I just think all of those stories are coming through the work that we're doing, the art that we're seeing and elevating the stories of our ancestors that are being carried through the works that are in your life. I think that's like it's like holding treasure. Uh, And that's why I wanted to speak to you today, because I just think that your knowledge is so valuable. But as we're winding down the conversation now and we're winding down towards the end of the year, I'm just wondering what art or music from the continent or beyond 
is part of that settling down process for you at the end of the year? I think when you work in art, there's sometimes moments where you have to really make an effort to enjoy art for yourself and not let it become work focused and work orientated and so you know recently the lovely lovely team at Hastings Contemporary invited me down for a talk and of course it's very it was a really great exhibition by Nengi Amuku and that technically is very obviously linked to my job but I thought you know what I'm going to take a couple of days off Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make it into a long weekend and I'm going to make the most out of this experience and it was also the most incredible talk that for me was like sort of the first sort of moment of like you know it was it was like a nice sort of way to start December yeah nice. <laughs> it was really nice and it was a really good sort of still moment but also mm-hmm. I think it's really important I love going to galleries and sort of you know running around on my lunchtime or after work and going to different openings and talks and things and then I also like to do things that are really different and and not so connected to my job and I also collect African vinyl when I'm in a charity shop or a vinyl sort of record shop and I just stick on a vinyl and just chill out and read for a bit. So I've got a few with me here. My boyfriend very kindly got me Coco Co. Um, but they're a more recent band and I'm gutted because I was supposed to see them last week and their gig got cancelled. Uh. <laughs> but they're a really fun band. One of the most really brilliant gigs I went to years back, somewhere in Shoreditch. But it was very cool and it was quite arty and it was just, yeah, they're a really great band. I love Bisa just because their record covers are so strange. They're just a bit crazy and I love them. Uh, I've got Ebo Taylor, classic sort of high life, Balaji absolutely adore Balaji <laughs> one of the best gigs uh, if not the best gig I think I ever went to at Rich Mix in Shoreditch with my mum and my boyfriend <laughs> it was a good trio but honestly it was one of the best gigs I've ever been to it's all encompassing his photography the visuals the outfits the way he presents himself the band like the band the music everything just oh just to die for honestly so good so that is one of my favorites couldn't recommend Balaji more then I've actually picked up a Festac record Festac being one of the iconic art festivals in Nigeria in 1977 and that's a post that I'm hopefully going to do soon yeah and I picked up this in a secondhand shop it was great and it's got all the music that was played at the time oh wow it's really 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 cool and it's yeah I think it's live recording so it's great so yeah that's a really special one and then there's one here as well um (laughs) so I went to an art gallery a couple years back uh units and they had a show on and for the opening they had got Kanda Bongo Man <laughs> to play and I absolutely love Kanda Bongo Man and I found his record in a record shop back where I used to have my mum and I don't think they kind of knew, well I don't think they knew Kanda Bongo Man but I definitely did and I was like I'm definitely picking this up and yeah I've just got uh, a few others uh, Homawa by Basa Basa High Life Music Vinyl Homawa is a festival that takes place roughly like sort of every August in Accra it's a, it's a gar festival and so it's very special to me and um and it, it travels throughout every sort of community in Accra so one week it's in one part then the next week it travels to the next and so it means a lot to me because that's you know that's where my family are from and we take part in it every single year and so when I saw this record I was like oh my god I just have to get it regardless of how it sounds but luckily it sounds good too and for me it's really about sort of emphasizing the creativity of the continent throughout the years from past to present really yeah amazing all of those sounds are going to go on our playlist 
thank you so much for that because that's wonderful for the audience and for me personally. I'm, I know who I'm going to come to for my music recommendations oh, well, yeah. now. <laughs> Honestly, because like I am not a muso, but like when anything good comes to me, that's it. I'll just listen to it for the rest of my life. So I'm coming to you. Hey, oh, well, you can join me and my mum at some gigs. Honestly, yeah. and a boyfriend. We're always at them. <laughs> yes please what a treat yeah I get my info from them as well so it's pretty great to sort of have this sort of yeah and I'm glad I could pass it on so hopefully you like some of them (laughs) thank you so much Helena for like your time your knowledge your joy your enthusiasm for your work like it's truly infectious and it's just really brightened my day speaking with you thank you so much oh thank you so much it's been a pleasure I've loved every single second of it it's been wonderful Thanks all for listening to Shade Podcast with the brilliant Helena Love Allity. I was so captivated by her love for African art and music and her determination to bring modern and contemporary African art to the forefront to be appreciated by everyone. Subscribe to Shade Podcast to listen to all the episodes in this series. Also explore Shade Art Review on Substack, joining thousands of art-curious listeners like you who are discovering more about the work of visual artists from the Black Diaspora. There you'll find art listings, comment, artist spotlights and guest posts, and free subscriptions are available. But for the full Shade Art Review experience, sign up today to receive 20% off your annual membership, an offer which is available for the duration of this series. This series of Shade Podcasts was produced and hosted by me, Lou Mensa, and mixed by Tess Davidson. See you next time.